Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Living leaves a mark on our planet and in our communities, but it doesn't have to leave a scar. At OnPost, we're building a postal and delivery service for the future through Ireland's largest electric fleet, delivering e-commerce with zero emissions. With the Green Hub helping people transform their homes for greener living and services that keep our communities connected and thriving. Living leaves a mark. Together, let's leave one we're proud of. On Post, for your world. For more information on our zero emission deliveries in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Waterford city centres, visit onpost.com forward slash sustainability. Hey guys, this is Maddie and Kenzie Ziegler, and we have a podcast called Take 20. We want to kick back and hang out with you, but we know you're busy, so let's take 20 every week to talk, to vent, to get real. 20 minutes to catch up and talk about everything that's on our minds and yours. Listen with us for 20 minutes when you're in the car, putting on makeup, working out, cleaning your room, avoiding doing your homework. Take a break from whatever you have to do and hang out with us. Listen to Take 20 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Learn how to store your gun securely and make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Last summer, I got curious about my background. I wanted to know more about the Black side of my family. I'm mixed race. My mother is French-Canadian, and she's white, and my dad is Black, and he's from Trinidad and Tobago. And so my wife and I started this research project. We started looking into my dad's side of the family online on genealogy websites. And I found out a lot of really interesting things. Like, for instance, one of my family members fought against British colonialism and then got executed for it. I also found out that I have some family members who were enslavers and also some family members who were probably enslaved. But then I also noticed something sort of strange, something that didn't make a lot of sense to me. We found a family tree on Ancestry.com, and it had all of these generations of my family with their birth date, the date of their death, and the date they got married. You know, all the regular stuff. But then there was another date. The date that they had been baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You probably know it as the Mormon Church. And the thing that was weird was that they were baptized after they had died. And so this is what it looked like. The tree showed that my great-grandmother, who died in 1926, was baptized in 1987. So that's 61 years after she passed. And then my grandfather was baptized sometime in 2010, more than 30 years after he died. And when I saw these baptisms, my initial reaction was, these people are not Mormon. You know, some of them were very religious, 
while they were alive, and they were very Catholic. It felt like maybe they might be pissed off if they knew, but they're dead, so they can't be pissed off, and so maybe I should be pissed off for them. There was also the concern that, like, this seems to have been done systematically by a family member of mine, and so is this also going to happen to me? Would I also get baptized into the Mormon church after I die? Baptisms for the Dead are an opportunity to remember and serve others. The Huffington Post reports that Anne Frank was posthumously baptized last week in the LDS temple in the Dominican Republic. In the case of Baptisms for the Dead, they just state that you're being baptized on behalf of this dead person. These people are dead. They aren't aware they are now baptized. This is Vice News Reports, and I'm your host, Ariel Zemros. When I saw these baptisms, at first I was confused and then I was upset because I started to wonder if this would also happen to me, which would be a problem because I'm an atheist. I don't believe in the afterlife. And on top of that, I am queer and I'm black. And the Mormon church doesn't have a great relationship with either of those groups. And so this just didn't feel like something that I would ever want for myself. Now, before I dove into this family history project, I had some awareness of this Mormon tradition of these baptisms for the dead. For instance, I knew that Mitt Romney, you know, this famous Mormon, that his father-in-law had been baptized posthumously. In case you didn't hear, it was discovered last week that Edward Davies, Ann Romney's father, an enthusiastically anti-religious scientist who called organized faith hogwash, was posthumously baptized in the Mormon tradition 14 months after he died. There's also been a lot of celebrity baptisms, like Elvis was baptized, and so was Princess Diana. It's actually gotten the church into some amount of trouble because members were baptizing Holocaust victims. The Church of Latter-day Saints apologized recently because they um, they posthumously baptized Simon Wiesenthal's parents. Yo! So yeah, he's um, a wrong dude. Yeah, wrong famous family. Nazi hunter. You can't go there. Yeah. So um, so my initial reaction was not super favorable. I was not a fan of this information, but I'm a journalist and. This is my family, right? So I wanted to find out more. And so I turned to my colleague. I haven't, I haven't been an active member of the church since I was 22, 23. This producer advice named Ian Bell. I was born in the Mormon church. Ian grew up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My mother converted when she was in her early 20s. And he grew up doing all of these things that Mormon people do, like going on a mission and baptizing the dead. I did baptisms for the dead when I was little. I went to the temple a number of times and, and was baptized for dead people. So how do you define baptisms for the dead or, or baptisms by proxy? So baptisms for the dead are the ordinance through which people who have deceased have an option to be baptized. When Ian was a kid, he participated in these baptisms by proxy. He would go to a Mormon temple where everyone would be dressed in white and he would get dunked into a pool of water and baptized on behalf of this person who is already dead. And this occurs in the temple 
with a priesthood holder baptizing another member of the church in place of the dead. So that person who's being baptized... Mm. You're a stand-in. You're the stand-in. Deceased people don't have a body anymore. So they're using your body as a stand-in. There there are a lot of people who haven't heard of Mormonism, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. so it's a kind of a nice idea that they're like, well, all these people never heard about the true faith. And so now what? They're stuck in purgatory. They don't have an opportunity to enter heaven. We'll give them this opportunity by being baptized in proxy for them. So this is part of what bothers me, right? This, This lack of choice. People were being baptized after they had died. So obviously they can't actively participate and they can't give their consent for any of this. But Ian told me that according to the LDS church, these people who are dead, they can decide. He told me that a dead person is given a choice in the afterlife to accept the baptism or not. So even though you're getting baptized and going through this ritual, it's really what it represents is a question that is then being asked to the dead person in the afterlife? Exactly. And so that person could then turn around and say, no, I, I don't want this. 100%. Hypothetically, you know, the dead person, if, if, we, if we believe that there is an afterlife and that these people actually can consent to anything. Yeah, in some ways to discuss it, you have to like, you know, accept the context. My great-grandfather, who lived until he was 98, wasn't religious at all, just the nicest, warmest guy you could meet. He died when I was on my mission. And so I was, I think, 19 or 20. And I remember feeling so envious of whoever my family got to be baptized for him. Hmm. Wow, Ian. Why did you want that for him? I loved my gramps. I wasn't raised with a dad, and my grandpa died young. And so my gramps, my great-grandfather, was like the main male figure in my life. And so I think it's like when you get to heaven and he I, he catches you in the crowd, he's like, hey, you're the one that <laughs> gave him the chance to get in here. You high-five each other or something. You got some special bond for eternity. I don't know. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> I, don't, I, I mean, I to... appreciate the visual because that's, yeah. How do you think your great-grandfather would feel about it, though? Oh, I mean, he just thought it was all silly. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My grandmother died last year, and she had all these grandkids, and all of them tried to get our grandma to convert to Mormonism. She just was like, just baptize me later. <laughs> she was like, listen, I drink too much coffee, I love Chardonnay, and I'm not really into it. But... Just in case, just go baptize me. Just do the work later. The thing that really blew my mind about this whole idea of consent in the afterlife is that I'm like, oh, so the Mormon church thinks that you keep growing after you die. That you like keep making decisions that are impactful for your life and that you can still be redeemed to a certain extent. I'm curious have your views on this practice, this baptism by proxy, have they changed since you were separated from the church? Yeah, yes and no. So I don't think we can control anyone from 
expressing their faith, nor would we want to as long as that faith doesn't interfere with other people's well-being, other people's lives. What I do have a strong opinion about, though, is the record-keeping and, and especially anything that is publicly facing. What do you mean by that? When I was a kid, we would hear rumors or something that so-and-so got baptized for this famous person. Or in the early part of the church, they were baptizing all sorts of historical figures. I mean, I think all like the early founding politicians of the United States were baptized by early leaders in the church. The Mormon Church has responded to these criticisms before. They got in some trouble for members baptizing Holocaust victims like Anne Frank, and the church apologized, saying that they sincerely regret that this happened. And so officially, church policy now is that you're only supposed to baptize your own family members, people that you can actually be linked to in a family tree. But of course, that's kind of hard to regulate. Regardless, though, that's why genealogy is so important to the Mormon church. It's because in order to do these baptisms by proxy, you have to be able to demonstrate that you're related to these individuals. All of this just goes to show how important this is to the faith. These baptisms are seen as a requirement to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, what Ian told me during this conversation is that you can't control people's imagination— But we were both equally upset about the idea that these baptisms then become part of the public record. The tricky thing about baptism, though, I think especially now that it can be like widely announced and and it can be tied into your larger narrative of who you are after you die. Right. I mean, that's my concern. Like, to be clear, like, I don't super fit into what I believe the Mormon church wants for its, um, in its members, right? Like, I'm, I'm openly queer, I am married to a woman. I mean, they say that they're fine with black people now, but historically they have not been. Early Mormon teachings were pretty racist. The Book of Mormon describes black people as cursed by God, that their skin is evil and that blackness is a punishment. The church didn't even allow black people to be priests until 1978. And that feels pretty recent to me. Why why would they want me? Do, do they, like, am I going to evade this whole baptism by proxy thing because of who I am? Or, or, or am I still going to get baptized after I die? Like, how does that work? <laughs> I think you're still going to get baptized. <laughs> um, yeah, they, I, I, don't, I, I think that their prejudices aside, they, you know, they want everybody. And in a good way. In, a, in like a positive a light as you can see it. Like, everyone deserves salvation. So I can still be saved, is what you're saying? Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Hi. So, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take your, your iPhone... And you're going to go into voice memo. Great. Press that button. Okay. Uh, all right. And this is, this is going ahead. All right. I'm listening. Okay. And it's, and it's recording, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see some reaction when I speak. Those. Perfect. And the, okay. So that's my dad. My name is Christopher Ross. I am your, your dad, the father of Adiel. I was born in Trinidad. I am now, uh, I'm going to be 73 years old in uh, the next few weeks. 
My dad was the first person I called when I found out about these baptisms. Because I don't personally know any of these relatives that were baptized, but my dad does. He was raised by some of them, and so I thought he should know about this. Yeah, what was my reaction? <laughs> Your reaction was a bit of... I don't know if anger is the right word, but certainly certainly surprise and, and sort of um, uh, questioning and um, certainly what is going on here. Yeah, you're right. Anger is not the right word. Yeah. I think it was like a low-level outrage. Yeah. Right from the get-go, Dad did not match any of my sentiments about any of this. I did not care because, um, first off, I'm not a very religious person. Dad, you're not religious at all. At all, that's right. I'm a bit of an agnostic atheist, frankly. And um, whether whether someone had baptized, uh, was baptizing somebody who had died, it didn't affect me. Mm-hmm. From my point of view, these people are dead. <laughs> they're dead and gone, and they're not going to come back. They aren't aware they're now baptized, so they don't care. And their having been baptized as a Mormon doesn't affect me personally, so why should I care? It doesn't affect society in a larger sense, so why should anybody care about this? It's, it's a little bit like, um, uh, I'm aware that this is an interview that could be published, but it's a little bit like smoking weed. You smoke it within your house, it doesn't affect anybody else, then... Big deal. Just go ahead and smoke. It's your, it's your problem, you know? It doesn't affect anyone. I wish you had told me that when I was a teenager. <laughs> you did not make your position clear at all. <laughs> he immediately, right off the bat, was like, I don't know why you care about this. This seems ridiculous. So how do you find out after you're dead whether you were baptized or not? I know you're going to ask me these questions. No, I, I, I know. It's, this, is, this is almost, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Like, like <laughs> I'll be dead. It doesn't matter. Again, totally agree with you. So truly, it, it, it is an absurd thing to care about. I agree with you. And yet I still do. I see my dad's side of things. I know that when I'm dead, I won't have any opinions or thoughts about anything because I'll just be gone, right? Totally gone. But right now, I'm alive and I have some thoughts. But my dad got me thinking, am I worrying about nothing? Like, why do I care so much? The fact that you react so, I don't know if strongly, but you are concerned about this means okay. that maybe there's a little bit of religiosity somewhere buried deep in your in, in your in your in your head i don't know um i, don't know. I think it's just well i you know you're giving me things to think about but i do care about how i am perceived after i die i do care about my history the history that people will understand about my life i understand what you're saying but the question in my mind is that, to use the old cliche, are we not making a mountain out of a molehill? In other words, maybe who, who apart from this particular uh, church, would even know that you were baptized? How did you find out, for example, that my father was baptized in 2010? And therein lies the whole deal for me, which is that I found out by looking at the family tree that my distant cousin, Ronald Ross, created on Mm Ancestry.com. 
I suppose the question would be, but how the hell could that happen? I mean, most people would say I don't know my cousin, Ronald Ross, but my dad told me a little bit about him, mainly that he grew up in Venezuela and now lives in Utah with his family, and that we are connected through my grandfather. Ronald's grandfather and my grandfather were brothers. And now Ronald is baptizing these ancestors that we share. Maybe, and maybe if I read about it from an intellectual point of view, I may be able to understand why they're doing. But at this point in time, where I know very little, I just find it a little bit funny, really. Will you settle for a podcast episode about this instead of reading about it? Yeah, yeah, I'd be interested. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be interested in finding out about this. (laughs) All right. Then uh, then that's my next mission. I'm going to go talk to this distant cousin of mine, right. Ronald Ross. And I'm, I'm going to try and find out more about how this works. <laughs> and or also signal that I do not consent to being baptized after I die. They are being invited to make covenants with God. One of those covenants is to be baptized. Does that mean that there are people who are acting as missionaries in the spirit world? Yep, that's exactly how it works. After the break, I talk to my cousin. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. With Europe Car and Go Car, you can move exactly where you want, when you want. Get on the move for the big family reunion at last. Move to pick up some bits and bobs in a car or bring something bigger home with a van. Move from Dublin to Donegal to Doolin to Dingle and back again. Move for a day, a weekend, a week or more. It's all the joys of driving a car, none of the hassle of owning one. Visit europecar.ie. Europe Car and Go Car. Moving your way. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. 
In this season of Unobscured, we will follow Grigory Rasputin's transformation from a peasant at the crossroads of history to a monster at the center of far too many legends. And in the process, learn how he took the weight of a fallen empire with him to the grave. Elite aristocratic society in Russia at the time was fascinated with very spiritualist leaders, with gurus, and there was this desire to seek alternate ways of connecting with reality that traditional religion and the church were unable to explain to people who were seeking answers to sort of these life's questions that seemed to have this pressing urgency right around 1900. Join us as we make our way into the burning palaces of Imperial Russia, to dig up the truth about Grigory Rasputin. Unobscured Season 4 is available now. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing good. What you been up to today? So I play the guitar a little bit in the morning. Um, so I my called my cousin, Ronald Ross, my... and I was pretty nervous. I didn't want him to feel bad, necessarily. At this point, we've, like, emailed back and forth. He's been sending me pictures of his family. Like, I'm starting to get the sense that, like, this guy is a family member. First off, Ronald, can you explain how you and I are related? Okay, so, um, if I understand correctly, Christopher Ross, your grandfather, is my grandfather's brother. My grandfather and his grandfather were brothers, and they both grew up in what, at the time, was called British Guyana in the Caribbean. But my side of the family ended up moving to Trinidad and Tobago, and then to Canada, where I grew up. Whereas Ronald's side... They basically stayed in Guyana and then eventually moved to Venezuela. Yes, so my dad, he married uh, two times. The first time he had four children. um, And the second time he had seven. And the youngest of that second marriage. What I'm curious about is how did your branch of the family become Mormon? So that's kind of a, a funny story. My parents... We're living in Venezuela, and my dad used to teach private English classes. The missionaries from the church, which I'm sure you've seen, the ones that have their name tags on the pocket, and they, they were going around and knocking doors, and my sisters, they thought they were students. <laughs> so they let them in, and then my dad came out like, who are these guys? <laughs> and then, you know, they were polite enough to let them share a message, and they got really interested in what they had to say. In a few months, they joined the church after that. Wow. So Ronald is essentially like a conversion success story. Ronald was born in 1984, after his parents converted. And so he was raised from the get-go into the LDS church. But he didn't get to visit a temple until he was a teenager. I was so excited to go to the temple that I remember I travel in a bus. Uh, by myself as a teenager, I went into the temple and it was just as special and beautiful as I had heard it would be. And it was during this very first visit to a Mormon temple that Ronald got his first chance to act as a proxy in a baptism for the dead. I saw some 
people dressed in white, some youth and adults waiting their turns to go into the baptismal font and get baptized. Um, I waited for my turn, went into the pole, into the font. It, water was warm, it was, it was really nice to be there. It just felt like, I didn't know the person that they were baptizing me for, but it felt like I was doing the right thing. At this point, he hasn't done all of this research into her family yet, so instead he gets baptized for somebody that he doesn't know. As Ronald gets older, he actually stays pretty close to his faith. For a few years, he actually served as a bishop in Venezuela. And ultimately, he moves to Utah, which is the epicenter of the LDS church. Eventually, I got around to asking Ronald how members of our family ended up getting baptized. So in the case of my father, I believe he got baptized for my grandfather. So that would be Frederick Isaac Arbuthnot Ross. So Ronald's parents baptized a bunch of our family members, and then Ronald himself takes up this mantle, too, and he starts doing the same thing. He starts building these family trees and combing through records, trying to find these family members. How many members of our family have you personally done this baptism for, you know, our dead relatives? I would say it's been like 20 or more. That's the ones that I have done. Uh, My wife has done some for the females. Did you baptize my grandfather, Christopher Ross? Um, I can tell you. Um, in a second. You're asking about Chris, right? Yeah, Christopher Ross, yeah. My my dad's dad. Yeah, Christopher Seals are both not Ross. So, yeah, most likely I did it. Because he was in Caracas. And he was in 2010. Uh, Yeah. I would be 80% sure it was me. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, honestly, it gave me pause. It's nice for me to see how happy it makes you. Okay. And also, when I first looked into this, I, I think I had some, like, very strong feelings about it. Maybe, like, um like a shock. Right. Whether they decide to accept it or not, it's going to be a choice. And I think it's really nice that it's a choice. Yeah. I don't think I would like it in my mind to think I'm doing it for you, whether you like it or not. You're going to be baptized. (laughs) We're not even counting them in the membership of the church. But the fact that we believe that they're being taught and they have the choice to accept this baptism or not, it's a very important element of this history of why we're doing baptism for the dead. If I were to tell you that, you know, my father said that he thinks Christopher Ross, the man that you baptized, my grandfather, that he would have been very upset about this. Mm-hmm. What's your reaction to that? You know, I think we can think what they might think, but there, there's a different story on what they actually think. And I've seen people change in so many ways being here, here on Earth. Imagine that. Someone that says that, you know, when I die, there's nothing else. But you die and you find yourself somewhere else. So that might cause you to have a shift of paradigm. And you might reconsider certain things. So... If I know it has been so good 
for me, for my family, and I believe it can be great for them. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to hope for the best. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that one of your, gosh, one of your daughters or one of your a daughter's daughters might one day baptize me after I'm dead? I think it's probable. So what bothers me isn't necessarily the baptism itself. It is the fact that then somebody could see that. Let's just say right. your daughters take up your ancestry account and then put my name in there, baptize me, it's in there. What bothers me is that somebody could misinterpret it as that I was a religious person, that I was part of any church while I was alive. Right. And I'm, I'm really attached to the idea of being perceived accurately. Right. One of the things that I've noticed, Ariel, is that misinterpretation is everywhere. And, I, and I'm not saying your concerns are not valid. And in the church website, you can do a quick search about baptism for the dead, and you can immediately see that this is a choice that people have after they've passed away. I say this with like, I want to say love because I, I actually do like I'm like you're like my cousin. I don't I don't think I buy that answer. I don't think I buy it because you don't have to. I, do, I think it's like I just don't want that baptism documented publicly. And that's your choice. And that's OK. I wish there was a way for me to tell the church and for me to tell your daughters and, and your daughter's daughters and your daughter's daughters. I don't want this but not, not the baptism itself. That's, I can get, let that go. Okay. I don't want it documented publicly. You know what I really appreciate? The fact that you say, I can let that pass, the baptism. Because, let's say, I'm right. <laughs> let's just say that. <laughs> we can get I, into that. We can get let's into that. Let's say that. <laughs> uh -huh. let, let, let's hypothetically say you're right, right. and there is an afterlife. It would yes. be great to see you there and to see you, to, to, <laughs> for you to tell me, Ronald, dude, thank you so much. Oh, my God. If we want to do that thought process, I still have some concerns. Right. And my concerns are that the Mormon church doesn't have a great history when it comes to black people or queer people. Yep. Like, if there is an afterlife, do I get to be gay in heaven? Do I get to have my wife with me as my wife in heaven? That's a question that I do not dare to answer, not even uh, because I'm not a spokesman of the church, uh, but I think God will be fair. And if you are making efforts to be a good person, that will not be taken for granted. I assure you that. We went around and around like this for a while. You know, Ronald had his best intentions, right? He wants to get me into heaven. But honestly, it was during this call that it clicked for me. Like, why I don't want this. It feels disrespectful to me. I don't want to be part of a religion that doesn't actually want me, my full self, while I'm alive. And the fact that they could decide that they can claim me after I die feels like an insult. That's what it feels like to me, even now. And so this isn't about my cousin, who was really kind to me on this call. 
this is about the church and my posterity. I'm, I'm almost a little embarrassed to say this, but like my legacy, right? How I'm remembered. I don't want to be associated with a religion that doesn't want me as I am. Well, I will tell you this. If I do, if there is an afterlife and I'm wrong mm-hmm. and I encounter a missionary and they ask me if I want to be baptized, I will say no with an immense amount of respect and love in my heart because of this conversation that I had with you. I hope you, your, the answer that you'll give to that missionary in the afterlife, if you do, um, is not because of this conversation. It's uh, after a careful review of all the things that you know now, that you've known, known in the past, and that you will know in the future. Mm-hmm. I will make an informed decision, I promise. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> okay, so wait. After, after this entire conversation that we've had, would you still want to spend eternity with me? Of course. Yeah? Why not? <laughs> just checking <laughs> did i sound did i hesitate no no Was no, I no, hesitant? no you didn't no no not at all i believe you i believe you yeah of course yeah i want to play guitar with you in heaven When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. There's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob Universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. This is a podcast by fans for fans. Listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers, the founder and chef of the River Cafe in London. River Cafe Table 4 takes us on a food journey around the world with friends like Paul McCartney. John Lennon and I hitchhiked to Paris and we thought, oh, we've got to have a wine experience. We're in France. And we took a sip and thought, that is terrible. It's like vinegar. So join us at River Cafe Table 4 to hear this brand new podcast all about their memories, their travels, and the food they turn to for comfort. Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Ian Bell. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cuttrell, Sophie Cazes, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, Julia Nutter, and Sarah Cavedo. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Steph Brown, Sam Egan, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Fran Bandy, Natasha Jacobs, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is Senior Production Manager for Vice Audio. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasulka. Our theme music is by Steve Bohm. From iHeart Executive Producers, Nikki Etor and Lindsay Hoffman. I'm Ahiyad Zuemros. I know podcast hosts say this all the time. I say it all the time. But please take the time to rate and review this podcast. It really does help other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday. So be sure to check back in next week. But honestly, like even thinking about it now, I kind of like, I really don't want an afterlife. Like I'm going to be tired when I'm dead. Like I'm going to be so tired. And like, can this just end already? Like, why does anybody want an afterlife? Like it just like, my God, life is exhausting. Quiet one, catching up on makes a good energy. Wait, there's a change of scene. Now what's hopping in the weather's feeling so serene. Go out fresh scope, no time to rest, so hop a taxi up the coast road, grab an ice cream, back to town for a late night show, yeah. Who knows where next we'll go, yeah? Make a way home for a disco nap with the next adventures waiting on top. Come here to me, come here to me. Wanna grab a taxi, just get free now. Get there your way. There's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish-language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council.